In a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. All right, well, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Fantrax. For all our listeners that are interested in doing mock drafts, perfect time of year to do those mocks. Head on over to our site, eatsleepfantasy.com. We have a little tab for anyone interested in, in joining those mocks right at the top right of our website so just submit your email there and we'll get you in on one of these mock drafts that we're doing uh <clears throat> dale i'm sorry did you want to add something there no i i'm excited about the mock drafts uh i've pretty much been organizing from the get-go and uh it's been awesome so far I mean, we've had uh, i think four five mock drafts now i think um and they have all gone on without a hitch yeah, so they've all been um, hashtag Dale fails because Dale sets up the league with some random, ridiculous setting every single time. There are so many settings, and I'm always in a hurry to set it up. What's that? I said, how about that snake draft? <laughs> okay, look, the snake draft said non. Look, I saw non serpentine uh, snake slash snake. All I saw was snake, so I just clicked the button. I didn't. Of course, I didn't bother looking at the. Uh, the other stuff. So whatever, I fucked up. Yeah. So, on those, so it, on those on those little packets of like the silica gel, it says, you know, like do not swallow. All you see is swallow, and you eat it. Is that how you do that too? <laughs> 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 All right. Before we get any further into the show, uh, they've already spoken out of turn. But uh, I want to introduce the gentlemen that are with me tonight. We're gonna start off with Dale Demott. How you doing, Dale? doing awesome thank you for having me you can find dale on twitter at dale underscore fantasy also with us tonight is intern rich you can find him at rich underscore fantasy are you talking shut up richard that is um okay uh how you doing richard doing all right um i don't think you're following me on twitter i am pretty sure i'm following you on twitter I'm, i'm kidding i'm kidding okay you you have me worried there. Cause I was like, Man, <laughs> can't remember any of Richard's tweets on my timeline. So <laughs> got a, got a little concerned for a second. Well, I only I only tweet out important things, so I don't tweet just a tweet. All right, we've got a very eventful episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about the NFC West, probably one of my favorite divisions to talk about because it's got a couple of uh, pretty awesome teams and, and a couple uh, of buddies. And a couple of stinkers in there as well. But it's a very interesting division, to say the least. Um, Before we get into that, we want to get into a couple pieces of news. News and notes. Dale, you're not going to say it? I'm holding back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. News and notes. (laughs) News and notes. News and notes. Had to get the last one in. All right. So... First piece news of news and we notes. Want... News and notes. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that have no idea what we're doing, we have a little bit of a clapping contest uh, to Whoa. see who's the. What does that mean? 
Never mind. You say just whoa? keep going. <laughs> I thought of something else when you said clapping contest. <laughs> what the hell? No. All right. So we try to see who'll be the the last one to say something. The person that has last say. Anyways, first piece of news is just as quickly as uh, Julian Edelman had a scare, he no longer has a scare. Oh, scare. Somebody else do the news. Dale, do the news. I'm, sorry. I'm just going to mumble through it. Julian Edelman is back on the field after maybe missing a half a practice uh, yesterday uh, on Tuesday, and he's back on the field Wednesday. Do you have marbles staff. in your mouth, Dale? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A training staff, they're, they're, they keep crying wolf with Julian Edelman, man. I don't know I don't know what to think over there. And uh, my dog wants to get onto the track because he said yeah, wolf. He literally cried. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, next piece of news for me. Uh, very important. We'll get into it a little bit later with the divisional previews, but Jimmy Graham is is now off the pup. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> he's he's on what, Richard? <laughs> he's on the active roster now. He's practicing. What are you talking he's about? On the, he's on the fully grown dog list. I'm not saying it anymore. You guys, you guys. You know, the full, fully grown dog list is one of the funniest things we've said on this podcast. We've been killing that joke all day, <laughs> especially me, since I've been high on pot news. But um, nobody's gonna know what I mean, and they're gonna think I'm actually. No, you explain a stupid pot skit a million times. We all know. All right, cool, awesome. Um, and the last little quick piece of news, because we're just trying to quick hit these, um, is that Marvin Jones has been listed as the number one wideout in Detroit. Um, I still think Golden Tate's going to finish the year with better stats than Marvin Jones, but Marvin Jones is such a better value right now. I'm getting him on all my teams, really love him. What do you guys think about that piece of news? Yeah, I like it. I mean, you're not going to get him in value much, uh, you know, now that he's publicly number one. Um, His value's going to rise. You're not going to be able to get him at value. I, I bet you by the time Jeff comes around, I bet you even people like you aren't going to end up uh, getting him because I think he might go from being a sneaky sleeper to an overdrafted uh, wide receiver. Yeah, I think before before the news came out, um, I believe Golden Tate was being drafted around in the 40 to 44 range overall, and then Marvin Jones was being drafted about three to four rounds later. So with this news, yeah, that, that's definitely going to change. His stock is going to be rising. You're going to see him going pretty quick, a lot quicker now. Yeah. Gap is going to close big time before now in, in draft. So the in average draft position, um, and I, I pull from the consensus draft positions on Fantasy Pros, um, right now Marvin Jones is going as the 39th wide receiver, um, 95th off the board overall. So you're pretty much getting him in the back of the 7th, start of the 8th. Where do you think he'll climb with news like this if it continues throughout the offseason? Probably fourth or fifth round. I mean, there, a lot of people may be targeting him as the as their second or third wide receiver off the board. And, you know, if if that stays true and he does actually perform pretty well compared to Golden Tate, I can see him passing Golden Tate as far as ADP. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know about as far early as fourth, but I could see late fifth, you know, to late sixth. Um, and I that's, to me, I think even for me, I think that's – uh, overdrafting there. Well, where's Golden I, I, Tate being drafted right now? He's in the in about the fourth round. Um, let me pull up his exact ADP. Golden Tate is going right now. I think he's going to the fourth. 50, 51st wide receiver, so start of the fourth round. 51st player um, overall. 
50, 51st player overall, right? Right. Um, 24th amongst wide receivers. So. Well, what, what's helping Golden Tate's value is his uh, performance from last year. Uh, Marvin Jones doesn't have that luxury uh, to help him out in drafts, so I don't think he's ever going to be drafted early yeah. fourth. I don't think Marvin Jones is going to climb up past the seventh round, maybe uh, late six. And the reason being is because people don't trust him because he doesn't have a track record. Yeah, and exactly. they shouldn't, right? Because right now he's just a value, right? Uh, based on he's performing well, he's on a new team, he's in a good role, he has opportunity, but he doesn't have the track record. So temper your expectations with that because even though I love the guy, it's because of the value and not necessarily the talent. I still think Golden State's the better talent in that offense and will end the year probably with more fantasy points. But if Marvin Jones continues to stay, if, even if he climbs into the top of the seventh or end of the sixth, he's still a value there. Any higher than that, I'm not taking him. No, I agree with yeah. you. But if the hype train catches him, he's going he's gonna to keep rising. I mean, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the late fourth, fifth round. Yeah, at that point, I, I don't think it'll happen. But if it does, uh, yeah, he's, he's not going to be a target right? Yeah, for me. And by the way, before we move on, for those of you who think that we're just like some out-of-touch bigwigs that have a podcast, just remember, we are recording this at home with Brito's dogs barking in the background. So we're not this highfalutin podcast that, you know, has a huge budget and our own studio. I don't, I don't um, think anybody thinks that. No, I think people think that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we don't have our own big studio with the fancy lights and all that stuff. Uh, we're just, I don't know what Dale's talking about. I'm in. I'm recording in my studio with my dog in it. I just. I made that choice. We should tweet out a picture <laughs> of each of our setups. Uh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Dale's using the the only available outlet in his house to charge his phone. He's actually sitting on the toilet right now. <laughs> that's that's why the, I sound so echoey all the, the time. The hair I got. I got to close the shower curtain to stop the echo. <laughs> Damn it. All right. So. With all that being said, guys, let's go ahead and get into our divisional previews. Divisional previews. Divisional previews. Divisional previews. All right, so we'll go ahead and we'll talk about the NFC West here today. We've got the Arizona Cardinals, who did finish first in division. They had a 13-3 and record. Of course, at quarterback, we got Carson Palmer, who had a pretty amazing year last year. He played all 16 games. He had about 4,600 yards, a little higher than that. 35 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. It's no surprise to see him ranked so high right now. He's at about the number 7 range. Personally, I have him as a QB number 5. Um, but he's being drafted you know, as the 7th quarterback off the board. What do you guys think of Palmer? Yeah, I mean, I have him ranked lowest among all four of us. Uh, I have him at number 9. It's not as much knock on Palmer as it is. I just feel really good about some of the other quarterbacks. Um I think that maybe the Cardinals are going to run it a little bit more than they did last year with David Johnson full-time. Um, and, I mean, I, I think I don't think that Carson Palmer's uh, season from last year is going to be replicated. I think a lot of these rankings are thinking that he's going to do exactly what he did last year. Um, maybe they had uh, lightning in a bottle last year a little bit. I don't know if the, the offense is going to be as explosive as it was last year. Well, I mean, they may be utilizing David Johnson a lot more than they did last year, which could open up the passing game even more. Um, you know, plus David Johnson is a great pass catcher as well. He can get some extra yards there too. So I don't know, man. I I, I feel pretty confident with having Paul Palmer as the number five quarterback. Yeah. So <clears throat> to kind of echo the the other side, the Richard side of this argument, um, 
Carson Palmer finished as the fifth quarterback last year in fantasy points. He's probably got – I can't think of a better group. He's probably got the best receiving core in the NFL, right? Is, can you guys think of any team that probably has a better one? That's a really good trio. Yeah, it's uh, it's up there. Um, so for me, even though he's get, he's one year older, the window is still there for Carson Palmer to be great. Last year may have been a career year, but I expect – very similar production, especially if all three receivers can stay healthy at the same time because um, <clears throat> we saw both Michael Floyd and John Brown miss some time last year. We saw Michael Floyd not be himself for the first half of last season. If all three of those guys are healthy with David Johnson, we know Bruce Arians is a, is a, a, a coach that likes to air out the ball a ton. So I still think Carson Palmer is a value right now where he's being drafted. Yeah, I mean, you guys both have Palmer one spot ahead of Andrew Luck, and that's that's uh, where we differ a little bit because I have Andrew Luck above Carson Palmer. Um, you guys sticking by that, saying uh, Palmer over Luck next year? I think yeah, so. I know for some, I think for some people that might sound absurd, but um, I think just the the upside is higher with Luck, right? But I think the floor is probably better with Palmer. Luck, I don't yeah. know, man. It's, I just it's gonna don't be, feel it, good about him. I feel okay. He he's he's got a, such a ridiculous upside, but for me, I I don't know why I just view him like what if that's just one great season, just like we saw from plenty of other guys. Like we've seen, you know, Matthew Stafford have a you know a number one season and then never be that again. Yeah, yeah. I see Andrew Luck as having you know like maybe a twenty to twenty five percent chance of being a top four, top five quarterback. Um, but I, I see him more around the, the six to seven range personally. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned you mentioned a, a trio of wide receivers and you know if any other team has that kind of that, that kind of uh, weaponry there. I'm I can't think of any team that has three quality receivers like these guys. Michael Floyd, John Brown, Fitzgerald. I can think of a couple teams that have two really good ones like the Jets, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, or you know the Raiders with Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. But three guys, Broncos with yeah, Sanders, Broncos and, with Sanders and, Thomas. and Thomas, right? But really, nobody has the, the that that three wide receiver potential here. Um, you know, all three of these guys they're being drafted relatively close to each other. I think uh, Michael Floyd is being drafted as the highest right now. He's got an ADP of number fifty-four, so he's the twenty-sixth. Uh, wide receiver coming off the board and then uh, Larry Fitzgerald is next at the 27 and then John Brown's actually being drafted at the end which is the wide receiver number 30 so do you yeah, guys they're basically they're going 26 27 right, right. And 30 and here's the real reason on that fantasy analysts are nobody's really sure who's going to emerge and be that top guy because we saw at the beginning of, of last year Larry Fitzgerald was that guy that just emerged to have one of those uh, renaissance years for him um, now Michael Floyd wasn't himself at the beginning of last season once he was fully healthy coming back from that hand injury he seemed to kind of take a little bit of that offense and then you have John Brown who's just going to be that deep threat guy who has these great games and is actually very consistent in having them in that offense because Bruce Arians airs it out a ton um, I think so long as the three of them stay healthy they might eat into each other a little bit, but both, all, all three of them should finish the year as top 30 guys, but that's kind of why the ranking is all jumbled like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Floyd, Brown, and Fitzgerald in that order. You guys agree? Yep. Yeah. Um, I have 
Floyd Fitzgerald and then Brown. Okay. I mean, the, the, the thing that's a couple of things, uh, what I really like about Floyd is, you know, during, uh, when David Johnson actually started, Floyd had about eight targets per game, which was about a half a target per game more than both Fitz and Brown. Um, so that's a positive note. Um, and then also despite, you know, John Brown being, uh, ranked 32nd overall in targets last year. He was the 21st best wide receiver. So just to go on that note of, you know, getting those deep balls um, thrown to him and really helping out his fantasy value, um, that that was a huge – that's a huge play in John Brown. As long as he can keep getting those deep balls and playing that part in the offense, he has a good chance of, of being, again, you know, the top 25 wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, as far as points per game goes, they ranked Michael Floyd was last with 8.1 points per game last year, and then John Brown with 9.6 points per game, and Larry Fitzgerald with 11 points per game. But like you said, Breed, I mean, this could have been a renaissance year for Breed, for Breed, for Fitzgerald. Um, you know, he did have a bad year pre- prior to that, but then the year before that, he had over 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he did have double-digit touchdowns in 2013. So maybe 2014 was just an off year, and then he came back to his normal self in 2015 and could possibly continue yeah. it into 2016. I mean, we got to ask ourselves, is Larry Fitzgerald kind of falling off a little bit? Um, you know, in the last six games, he had about 40 48 yards per game in the last six games, although he did see somewhat of a resurgence in the playoffs. Um, where I'm a little little cautious there, aren't you? Well, but I mean, in, in week in week 15, he had four catches. Week 16, he had six catches. And then week 17, he had eight catches. He had a touchdown in all three of those games. The yardage yeah. in, in week 15 and 16 were a little low. He had 29 in week 15, 55 in week 16. But yeah. then I week mean, less, less than 50 yards. Right. Let's, let's remember what happened in a couple of those games, right? So... One of those games was the David Johnson ridiculous blow up. He just, you know, set the world on fire game. That was week another, 14, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And another yeah, and another one of those games was the the final game of the season where they got blown the fuck out by Seattle and lost 36 to 6 and right. they pulled all their starters. So I mean, let's let's keep in mind the the production tailed off, but there's a reason for it. I I mean, I think all these guys have value where they're being drafted and they'll all be pretty consistent week to week now should any one of these guys get injured and it's a two wide receiver going forward then i think they have tremendous value and i think the only reason michael floyd is ranked the highest for me right now is because i just see him as having the most one upside and the most two consistency in that offense coming into this year because he can do a little bit of everything yeah, I actually yeah. quoted um, week 17 as 176 yards and one touchdown. That was actually in the playoffs. That wasn't in regular season. So yeah, I apologize the, the, for that. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was pretty good that first week of the yeah. playoffs. Right, say, say in your draft, you uh, Michael Floyd's going around the fifth round. So say you go uh, you know, two running backs, two wide receivers in the first four rounds. Fifth round comes up. You can kind of play you know, looking at a flex position. Are you going to go Melvin Gordon, Michael Floyd, uh, Jeremy Langford? Um, I'd probably go Langford in that position, and then yeah, Gordon, and then Langf- and then Floyd. Uh, Langford, okay. Floyd, Gordon for me. Yeah, I I would be thinking really hard about Floyd here. I think he's gonna, especially if if you're playing a PPR league, especially. Um, really, I think about Floyd there. I I think he's I think he's due for a really good season this year. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, they're and all then, close. Uh, another pass catcher then that we haven't really talked about yet is David Johnson. 
I mean, last year he had 36 receptions for 457 yards and four touchdowns. But besides that, he also had almost 600 yards rushing and another eight touchdowns. So he was close to, he he was over 1,000 yards total. He didn't get the rushing yards, obviously, because Chris Johnson was eating into his work. But he did have the 12 touchdowns. You think that's something they think that he can go ahead and repeat this year? The the, the touchdowns, touchdowns? yeah. I I think if there's someone that has an opportunity, we, we always see touchdown regression, but if there's a guy that has an opportunity to repeat double-digit touchdowns, I think David Johnson's pretty high on that list. Um, he's going to get a ton of work and a great offense, and he's a very talented back. So he has basically all my qualifiers to be a top-five running back, and um, I have him number two for a reason. I absolutely love him this year. Um, all that production <laughs> came in basically um, – not getting any carries for the first half of the season right. and just finding a way to to score just on two two touches three touches um it's it's absurd um i'll let dale talk on him for a minute because I, I gotta pull up his game log to just pull up the uh the touches the first few weeks that he, he was scoring even though he just wasn't getting the ball and then when he finally did get the ball yeah he was just yeah, ridiculous. I've, got it, I've got it here um in the in the first like five weeks he probably played a total of about 80 snaps total in the first five weeks so his his production was really heavy even though he didn't get a whole lot of playing time so just imagine with a full season under him and of course obviously if he stays healthy he's gonna be a monster yeah. Oh, yeah. He's if he could do anything near what he did last year on a limited basis um, this year, he can explode and uh, and easily be the number one running back of the year um, if if he can do the same kind of stuff that he did last year. So these are these are his these are his touches um, last year, right? So first game of the year, he has one touch, fifty five yards and a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Second game of the year, five touches. 42 yards and a touchdown like it's just absurd that he was getting no work and still incredible and then when he finally did get the work you know um let's see week uh when when was it in november end of november for when he became the starter um at st louis is when he became the starter because chris johnson went down so 22 touches um 99 yards uh and and two catches to add on to that. Don't forget and twenty-one two yards a and, t- a touchdown. and a receiving touchdown. Yeah. So, and then we have that monster game that everybody remembers, where he just absolutely went nuts against the Eagles, where he was given twenty-nine carries, one hundred and eighty-seven yards, three touchdowns. Well, even <laughs> before just... that, even before that game when they played with Minnesota, he had over one hundred and twenty total yards too. Yeah. So I mean, he had he had one hundred and twenty yards for three. Three out of those four weeks, I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And a lot of his production too is based off of what the offense is doing. Um, you know, when the offense was clicking the way it was with you know the three the three guys, you know Fitz, Brown, and Floyd, um, when they were all clicking, it makes uh, the job a lot easier for David Johnson. So that's that's a little bit of my worry there. That the reason I don't have him ranked number two as a running back. There's just a lot of factors that go into it that I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be able to replicate that offensive firepower they did last year. Yeah, Brito, if you look in week in, in when they played against uh, Green Bay as well, he only had nine rushes for 39 yards and a touchdown, but he had three catches for another 88 yards. So that's another week that he had over 120 yards. So in that four-week period, if he wasn't getting you 120 yards, he was getting you multiple touchdowns. Remember what happened in that Green Bay game, though? That's the game that they blew Green Bay out. It was 38-8. to eight. 
another game where they kind of pulled their starters. Last two games of the year, they pulled their starters. Yeah. And even then, he had over yeah, over 100 total yards, like you said, yeah. and such. Um, so, <clears throat> um, before we move on to any other team, I do want to mention that uh, in a Bruce Arians offense, tight ends just don't get used. Um, the top tight end last year, as far as fantasy points, uh, was 33rd overall. So don't bother even looking at a tight end when it comes to the Cardinals. Yeah. And I apologize to all the NFC West fans. We're not going to spend nearly as much time on the other teams as we did the Cardinals. <laughs> well, maybe well, may, maybe on the next Maybe team. the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, the next team up then is the, they were number two in the division last year, the Seattle Seahawks. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about them, Brito? All right, so as far as the Seattle Seahawks, let's start with uh, with my boy right here, Russell Wilson. Um, I personally love the man, and I need to stop talking about him on the podcast because, um, well, Armando's not here, right? You guys aren't going to hate on me for talking about yeah. him. No, I like, <laughs> I like Russell Wilson. Um, we have him as our consensus. I have him number one at, amongst quarterbacks. As far as our consensus rankings, we have him four amongst quarterbacks and I think he definitely belongs in that top four considering he's finished three for the past two seasons um and he's never finished outside the top nine as far as quarterback scoring um in his first four years so when it comes to Wilson he is one of the most efficient passers in the league he led the league as far as passer rating last year as far as fantasy points per attempt, which to me is something great to look at, especially with a quarterback that year over year has got, has grown as in terms of the number of passes he's attempted. From year one to two, from two to three, to th- from three to four, he's had more pass attempts. And last year he was the number one quarterback in terms of fantasy points per attempt. I see a little bit more of a shift slightly into being closer to what th- we saw the second half of the season I don't expect him to be that over 16 games because it's a ridiculous pace, but I expect it to be closer to, um, you know, a better run-pass split than it's been in the past. Um, so for me, Russell Wilson is just a guy that provides extreme value even when it's passing, and he also adds that other element, that element that, you know, uh, makes Tyrod Taylor so attractive for Dale or Cam Newton so attractive for everyone else in fantasy, which is the rushing. Um, he's had about 500 yards every season uh, in his career, and we've seen him have years where he's been able to score a bunch of rushing touchdowns. Last year for me was an anomaly with just one rushing touchdown, even though he had over 500 yards rushing. So if those go up even just a little bit, he'll be, again, a top three quarterback. Yeah, just to put the rushing in perspective, I mean, he had 553 rushing yards last year. That's that's 55 fantasy points there because you're counting 10, 10 rushing yards per point. Uh, to equate that to passing yards, that's like if he threw for another 1,200 yards. So for for the other non-mobile quarterbacks that that don't run, you know, they'd have to throw about 5,200 yards in the air just to be able to match him in, in in the production as far as yardage goes, as and fantasy points is what I mean, because ultimately that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the efficiency is why I have him so high. I mean, he just he finished off the year so well last year. Like you said, I know that's just, it's not sustainable through the whole season. But I mean, he he averaged almost thirty points a game the last five last five games of the season. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think he can. You know, obviously he's not going to be doing that all season. But 
if he has ability to you know do that not only one game or two games but through the span uh you know to end out the season when the pressure's really on that's impressive well i mean you mentioned it a couple podcasts ago that that what you look at when you're ranking players in the offseason is how they ended the previous year and if you look yeah. at russell wilson you, you do a split of his stats for the first half of the season and the second half the first half of the season he only had one game where he had uh, more than one touchdown which was only two touchdowns and that was in week two Every other week, he only had – he didn't even reach 300 yards. And, and I think his best game was 287 yards and one touchdown. But then we, the, the, his 10th game around, he started getting three touchdowns, five touchdowns, three, five, three. So he's, he was getting multiple touchdowns every game after that. So if you were able to pick him up in that second half of the year, he probably won you a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, for uh, – you know, the season's won in the playoffs, right? And in 2014 and 2015 – he averaged nearly 30 points per game in the fantasy playoffs um, in two seasons in a row now. Um, so, you know, if you're playing for the long, if you're playing for the long haul, um, he's done it. And, uh, you know, he can help you out late in the season. He's even, shown it twice now in a row. Even his efficiency in that first half of the season wasn't anything compared to the second half. I mean, he was throwing for 60, 66, 63, 63%. Then in that second half, 82, 70, 77, 71, 70% completion. So his performance so, in that second half of the year was was just miles ahead of what he was doing earlier. To add a little bit to that, what happened during the second half of the year, uh, especially with Marshawn Lynch and Jimmy Graham going down, that offensive line was in shambles the first half of the season. Um, the reason that it was better, the offense was better all around um, in the second half of the season is being highly attributed to a simple change in offensive philosophy where they changed Russell Wilson's drops. They shortened it from five and seven step drops to almost everything was a three step drop timing routes, just being quick and precise in that. And that allows the offensive line to not have to hold their blocks as long to, because that's probably the weakest part of Seattle's offense is their offensive line. And if you can do timing routes, three step drops, we saw such a ridiculous change in their offense come from that. Um, <clears throat> Before we get into these next positions, because I, I want to talk about the running back because I feel it's such an intriguing position when it comes to Thomas Rawls, I want to ask you guys about Seattle's offensive philosophy because do you, do you think they're going to be more pass-heavy at all this year? Because looking at their run-pass splits, last year they were fourth in terms of um, most rushing attempts uh, or run-pass splits. So they ran the ball the fourth most as uh, percentage last year the three previous years to that they were number one in the league in terms of run pass split um where do you think that's going to shift do you think it changes at all even a little bit well you got to remember too that russell wilson's adding about 100 rushes to that compared to other teams where they don't have a mobile quarterback who runs the ball when when you know routes aren't developing but as far as the splits go i i would think that they're going to continue to go ahead and do what they did at the end of last year yeah, I mean, I don't know. Rawls, I, I think that they know they have Rawls in a really good position. And last year, Thomas Rawls was first in the NFL in uh, yards per attempt. Um, they know that, and uh, I think they're going to use it. I think they're going to use it uh, this year. So let's let's get a bit a little bit heavier into the Rawls discussion because, for me, he's still a player that I'm very worried about his injury. He's off the pup list now. Um, he is starting very, very, very limited practice. What do you guys think about Rawls for this year? Yeah, which, he's he's which, on the yeah. full-grown dog list. <laughs> God, 
complete. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, this we is can Dave's first podcast we want with now. a joke. <laughs> he wants to get in on that action. But as far as as far as Thomas Rawls and where he is right now, I've got no problem with with Seahawks with the Seattle Seahawks taking their time with him. Um, I don't need to see him in the preseason. I'm fully confident in him. He had a, a ridiculous 5.6 yards per carry last year. He had eight, over 800 yards and only 147 attempts. He wasn't catching the ball all that much because they weren't. You know, I, I, that's not part of his game. He only had nine receptions last year, but he's he, he is going to be a beast. He just needs that time to be 100. percent So if they want if they want to go ahead and, and ease him back into practice slowly, I'm all for that. And the same thing I said about Lamar Miller the other day. He's right going to he's going to be the guy when it comes time to play. Right now, Rawls is going as running back number 13 off the board, and that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. However, to, to play a little bit of a devil's advocate, because I think I'm the lowest on him as far as our rankings, I have him at 20, um, the optimism when it comes to Rawls is that when he was the starter, he was the best running back in fantasy, and he averaged 5.6 yards per carry like Dale alluded to. That's amazing. So... If he can come back and be that guy, then I'm way too low on him. But I'm just very concerned about that injury because it took him a hell of a long time to come back. Yeah, I think I I think I said this in a previous podcast as well. I have him number 16, Thomas Rawls. Ahead of him, I've got Latavius Murray, C.J. Anderson, and Carlos Hyde. If Rawls can show that he is healthy and he is 100%, I'm moving him ahead of those guys. And, yeah, that would make him a top 15 running back just like we said before. Yeah, if he's if he shows me, if uh, they'll prob they're most definitely probably going to hold them out the first two preseason games. If he plays in that third season game, or I see anything positive come out in that respect, I think he deserves to be a top fifteen back. Um, I mean, there's plenty of guys that that he should go ahead of. So right now, I'm just being a little cautious with the ranking. That's all. Yeah, I mean, ideally from him in that third preseason game, which is usually when the first team plays for at least the first half. If I'm able to see him get, you know, 10 to 12 touches with, you know, 60 to 70 yards and a touchdown, that's that's gold for me. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I agree with you guys. <clears throat> so we, we've got a little bit of interesting news that we mentioned at the top of the show with the pass catchers in Seattle, and that's Jimmy Graham coming back off the pup list and already uh, able to start practicing. Um, I was pretty much very in on one of the pass catchers this year in Tyler Lockett. Um, I do see some regression from Doug Baldwin, at least when it comes to touchdowns. Now with the addition of Jimmy Graham coming back into that offense, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think he's going to pull any of that red zone work away from those other guys? I hope Jimmy Graham does. I'm rooting for him, man. Um, I just don't see it happening, though. Um, Russell Wilson has never been known to use his tight ends much anyways. To be... To, to be fair, though, I mean, Jimmy Graham had, he played in 11 games last year, but he still had over 600 yards. He was averaging over six point over six points per game last year in fantasy, 6.6 uh, points per game to be exact. So I, I think I'm a little low on him. I've got, I've got uh, Jimmy Graham right now as the number 17 tight end. I think I'm a little low on him. I think I should be moving him up. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'll wait until I see a little more production out of him after the injury. He did say that he lost 15 pounds while recovering, so maybe that makes him a little better too. Right. Yes. Yeah. So to be fair, with Jimmy Graham, he, like Richard alluded to, I mean, he was on pace to have over 880 yards receiving. 
Um, that's about the same production that he had in his last full season in New Orleans. Uh, what wasn't there was the touchdowns. They weren't looking for him in the in the end zone. And I think a lot of that just had to do with Seattle's offense for the first half of the season. Now, um, those splits do matter because he wasn't in that offense in the second half of the season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they use him, especially in the red zone. But it didn't seem like they were looking for him in that uh, role the first half of last year. But if that's something that Jimmy Graham is going to take a part of that, it definitely affects Doug Baldwin, who I already saw up as having an extreme touchdown regression because he's not going to score 14 touchdowns again. Um, I, I see probably a few more of those going Graham's way. So if he can be even close to those that yard production and maybe even a few more touchdowns, even though he's coming off of a terrible injury, um, he looks pretty good. I saw a yeah. few... Uh, a few little videos of him running and catching a couple passes. I mean, he looks he looks good. I, I was surprised um, yeah. at uh, how quickly he's recovered. I mean, this is the same injury that Victor Cruz had. This is the same injury that's listed as probably the worst injury for pass catchers to come back from. So yeah, or fo- football players in general. I mean, it's a it's a gruesome injury. Um, you know, the only time I really see myself taking Zach Miller, and I have him. Uh, around number f- Jimmy Graham, dude. Yeah, what, what did I say? Zach, Zach Miller, because you, pro- you were probably looking up uh, old tight ends for. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, because uh, I have Jimmy Graham. Do you, you mean know, Luke Wilson? Yeah. Um, you know, around the 14th best tight end, and only because you know, if if I'm going to take a flyer and I'm going to take like Kobe Fleener a little earlier than most, um, I would I would take Jimmy Graham as an insurance policy. I think that's a good good way to go. I normally I don't take second tight end. But if I'm getting somebody questionable, like you know Kobe Fleener, um, I would take Jimmy Graham and and hold on to him for a little bit and see what happens. So get two questionable guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys right, think two... Kobe Fleener's questionable? Uh, I don't. But uh, um... yeah, I do. I do. I don't look. Is he going to be another Jimmy Graham in, in the Saints? I think that's what everybody's hoping. Right. I don't know if that's going to happen though. I mean, when he he's shown though when he has a good quarterback throwing it to him. You know, he, he his last year with with Andrew Luck, a full season, he had over 800 yards and eight touchdowns. You know, he, yeah. can, he can do the same in in New or- in New Orleans now. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I think for me, um, I you know I have him at number seven overall in tight ends. You guys are a little all all you guys are a little bit higher. Yeah, I'm just. I think I have him at five. Yeah, you have him at yeah. five, Rito. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I I also said that I wasn't worried about him. Um, 770 yards and any touchdowns, by the way, just to correct you. Okay. Well, oh, I apologize. I was off by 30 yards. <laughs> well, you said you said over. If you had said close I was off by to 30, I was off by 31 yards. Then listen, we'll get we'll get that one guy that's like, hey, he didn't have 800 yards. Do your right research. Now, right now, I'm that guy <laughs> calling you one out. One star man. review. The, the reason why I said Zach Miller, the reason I said Zach Miller, because I would I would rather have Zach Miller than Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Man, that's pretty close. That. I mean, the if you're gonna take a guy that that late, maybe it's worth taking the upside of Jimmy Graham right now, especially yeah. if he if we see that he continues to be healthy. I was I was very surprised at the news that he came off the pup this I would, quickly. I, you know, I I would love to see Jimmy Graham fall late in the draft and then I pick him up. Shut up! I'm doing that. Stop talking, <laughs> <laughs> listeners. You heard none of this. <laughs> I think he's very worth a pick right now, and he's going to be moving up in my rankings for sure. Yeah. Tell us about the wide receivers. All right, so I, I think we touched on a little bit. 
Um, for me, coming into before any of the Jimmy Graham news, I was all about the Tyler Lockett hype train, and I'm still about the Tyler Lockett hype train. I think the biggest thing that will that Jimmy Graham will impact might be a little bit of the Baldwin touchdowns, um, but not too much else. They're going to continue to try to implement that offensive philosophy of the three-step drop, quick timing routes, and that's going to very much be great for those two wide receivers. But right now I just think that Lockett is still a better value because year-end production, he'll be very close with Baldwin. And he's going <laughs> he's going three, four rounds later. So that's climbed a hell of a lot. So now it's about three rounds later. Used to be like five rounds, but still a very good pick in my opinion. Um in compared to Baldwin, who isn't bad. I think he's also probably, he's going at about fair value for a guy that scored 14 touchdowns a year before. Um, he, they've already pretty much factored in all the possible regression he can have. Um, and I think he's a pretty good number two, late number two wide receiver. Yeah. I and mean, for some reason, and I don't know if you guys have, have the same feeling you get uh, with other players, but Tyler Lockett, along with like Dante Moncrief, they're players that like they just don't pop out to me in any of my mocks or when I'm doing the rankings. Um, maybe because I don't know enough about them. Maybe, but um, you guys have players like that. I mean, Tyler Lockett is just one of them that any other time, you know, I'm looking at the at the rankings. I just they just I glaze right over them. Well, actually, for me, it's like the opposite. There's three guys that I'm all about their hype train, and you just named two of them: <laughs> <laughs> Dante, Mike Grief, Tyler Lockett, and. Um... Was the guy that I just said at the top of the show, Marvin Jones. I, I feel like I take one or two of those guys in every single one of my drafts. It's been difficult yeah. to take Lockett and Jones recently because they're going at the, at the exact same spot, so I tend to have to reach for one. Um, and I don't, I'm not all about that reaching life, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it with Tyler Lockett because I'm looking at his stats over the year last year and. Yeah, he's got a few good games, but he, he also has a few really bad ones. He has one game where he had only 17 yards. One game he had no yards. One game he had 34. Another dud game. Um, second had, half. Look at the second half of the season. You're, yeah, you're right. And and that's what I was going to go ahead and bring up as well. If we're going to go ahead and factor it based off of only the second half of the season, I'd rather much rather have you know Doug Baldwin in there. But right. I, can, I can see what you mean as far as value goes, where you can get Tyler Lockett much later than Doug Baldwin. But I don't I don't see their their production being sim, being you know pretty close next year. Yeah, I mean unless Russell Wilson went off like crazy went just went crazy. Tyler Lockett was eh you know I mean week sixteen seventeen he had under five points you know fantasy points um, you know he exploded week fourteen when Russell Wilson did. Um, but I don't know I I for me I think that's the reason I think nail Rich hit the nail on the head. Um, I just I don't see it. Okay, so um, I just want to add this quick point before we, we move away from the Seattle Seahawks. And for me, the most respected name when it comes to wide receiver, uh, you know, just grading their production in the fantasy community is a guy named Matt Harmon who um, who does reception perception every year. Um, you could just quickly Google reception perception. Um, after he, the show. Yeah, after the show. He broke this down on Tyler Lockett. Uh, basically, when he, at the end of it, he was asked, who is this year's Allen Robinson, who last year was the guy that um, he broke down and, and said was going to have a breakout year. Um, for him, 
it was Tyler Lockett. His reception perception score fell in between two guys, and those two guys were Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson. Tyler Lockett fell in between the two of those guys. And that's probably something that's fueling this Tyler Lockett score because he is so talented, and in that offense, if they just start to throw it just a little bit more, he is super valuable. Yeah. And just just a side note here. Uh, if you ever think that we are bad at business, you are right. I think we're, out of all the podcasts in the world, we probably plug our competitors more than any other podcast out there. <laughs> I, I have absolutely no problem doing that because my job is not anything other Chris, than... Brito, I, you don't have to get so serious about this. No, I am because my <laughs> job is not nothing other than providing the listeners with fantasy information, whether or not that comes from us. Right. So there's plenty of very talented people out there that are going to provide our listeners with great stuff. So, right. so yeah, if you want more on this topic, you can go listen to uh, – what is the podcast you want to plug next? No, I don't want to plug this podcast. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> you pause this and go download that podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, just unsubscribe. All right, well, next up then we have the newly – Named Los Angeles Rams, they were third in the division last year with a seven and nine record. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. A whole lot of players. So we're done. About. So we're yeah, done right? with the. We're done with the division. That wraps, that wraps it up for Hard the knocks. NFC West. That's, that's about all you can say, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and and Todd Gurley and pretty much. I mean, that's that's it, no, man. No, no, no. That's not. That's not. Tavon Austin. You're right. Uh, Tavon Austin is what I was gonna say. Is there anybody else that you're willing to even on the touch Rams? on this team? Yeah. No, it's, there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, you have to be in a team that has like 25 bench spots to look at, like Kenny Britt or, you know, Lance Kendricks as your 27th tight end or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Kenny, Britt, Kenny Britt had less than five and a half points per game last year. Unless, I mean, I don't even know if there's a league that plays like six wide receivers or five wide receivers, you know. But even then, you know, five and a half points per game, it's not something I'm looking for out of a wide receiver I'm starting. Unless they're in a really yeah. deep league, um, right. but Todd Gurley, I mean, we all know the beast that he is. He's he's ranked number one right now. He's the number the number one running back off the board. ADP of three overall. He had fourteen and a half points per game last year. He was actually tied with Adrian Peterson in that. Um, something interesting I read today too. Uh, Sports Illustrated came out with the top one hundred players in the NFL. He was number thirty six. I didn't keep reading to see who was ahead of him. But he was there. So why the fuck did you just plug that? Because <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> He's ranked right now as our consensus number one running back. Um, we all have him either one or two in our rankings. He's, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again. He's my lock to have the most carries in the NFL. He is a beast. He accumulated, uh, what was that stat that somebody tweeted at us, Dale? that he, they use in oh, an yeah. argument against Todd yeah. Gurley. And I'm like, that just makes Todd Gurley even better. Yeah, 500 uh, yards had uh, over on 550 or more. Yard, yeah, had over 550 of his yards came from runs of 15 yards or more. So not only is he a consistent runner, but he also is consistently breaking out these 15, 18-yard runs. It's yeah. it's amazing. So we're, oh, Wait, we're talking about Trey Mason here? That was perfect, Richard. <laughs> oh, we need to have live drops because we will we will abuse that button. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo and the baby. 
Yeah, man. Trey Mason's kind of a crazy yeah, story. Crazy so. story, right? Yeah, but I guess you know that just makes Benny Cunningham the the backup. So Trey, basically, Trey Mason just went crazy, right? They're like holding him. He said like the FBI trained Al Qaeda to to conspire on 9/11 and all that stuff, right? He didn't answer the team for seven months. That's a long you, time, bro. What are you doing with your life, man? Nah, he has enough money stashed away, maybe, I hope. Probably Question. not. Does what? that sound like a guy that has money <laughs> stashed away? <laughs> yeah, you're right. He's dead broke. All right, relevant question then. You mentioned Benny Cunningham. Would you recommend drafting a handcuff then for Todd Gurley? Or are you comfortable uh, just taking him? Unfortunately, I... I probably wouldn't. I don't think it's worth the pick. I'd rather yeah, take a, a a handcuff in a different situation because Yeah, I don't think I don't think Cunningham's worth the pick. Anything, I think there's other handcuffs. Anything happens more. to Gurley, that offense is one going to be a mess and two they're just going to use a bunch of guys and share that committee as much as possible. Maybe they'll yeah. maybe they'll hand the ball off to Taywan Austin a lot more. Instead they'll of probably just pick up Kristen Michael off the after he gets cut from the Seahawks. Yeah. On his thirtieth yeah. team in the NFL, there's some. There's going to be some Kristen Michael truthers that are going to be upset about what I just said. So who's who's going to be the quarterback for LA? Um, it was supposed to be as of as of right now, it's Case Keenum. Is it going to stay? Is it going to stay that way? That's the thing. We have to wait and see. Either way, for fantasy purposes, does it really matter? I don't think it either does. way. Yeah. <laughs> either way, you're not going to draft either of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, would it affect Tavon Austin's value any? Um, I don't really think so either, because a lot of his value comes in the rushing game as well. He had 52 receptions last year for 474 yards and five touchdowns, and then he had 52 rushes as well for 434 yards and four touchdowns. So he had close to a thousand yards and nine touchdowns last year. Um, you know, he gets he he gets about. You know, half as you can see, half his production from rushing. He's getting he's getting about six touches per game, averaging about eight and a half yards per touch, which is pretty good. He had a respectable nine points per game last year, so I you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uncomfortable having Tavon Austin on my team. I'll definitely use him as a bi week fill in or maybe a flex player if needed because he has he, he has that potential to have those, those pretty good games. Yeah, I mean he's going he's going very late, but I just. I, don't I think he's going at the, at, at the beginning of the 11th round. I think he's going right now. Yeah. But I don't see that production being worth it, in my opinion. Um, in the 11th round? Nine I, points no, per game? You don't see it? He The numbers, I mean, I can actually see his yardage going up because of 52 catches. I mean, early in the offseason, Jeff Fisher was saying, we want to get Tavon 100 catches. That's never going to happen. But I could see those catches going up to 60, 60, maybe even close to 65 catches. But... The nine touchdowns, I doubt that's going to repeat itself. The nine total touchdowns. Yeah, if we're if we're going to go ahead and compare them to to our rankings, like I have Tavon Austin as the number forty three wide receiver. He's just behind Marcus Wheaton and Corey Coleman for me, who I feel just have more upside than Tavon Austin would, especially Marcus Wheaton. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, that wraps it up then for the Rams. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's really not much to talk about. Yeah, the the last team is the San Francisco 49ers. They were last in the division last year. They went 5-11. and uh, Right now, it's Blaine Gabbert's job at the quarterback position. He was he, he actually wasn't that bad last year. If you, look at it, yeah. if, you, if you really look at his numbers, he played eight games last year. He had 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. 
he had over 18 points per game last year, which, like I said, it isn't horrible. Hell of a lot yeah. better than Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was on pace for 4,000 4, yards, 000 right? 4,000 yards. Um, the the interceptions, the turnovers. Yeah. The, turn, the turnovers have to get under control. I mean, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions is it's pretty out of control. Yeah. But the whole the whole reason we're talking about about Gabbert is not for him, but for the wide receivers in that offense, which for me right now are being ridiculously undervalued, and in a Chip Kelly offense that's going to be in the top three, top five in the league as far as plays run. Even if the team is terrible, they will be on. <laughs> they will be a high tempo offense that's going to try to run a ton of plays. Um, San Francisco is not a very good team. That being said, neither was Philly last year. They still led the league in number of play attempts. And we saw, we've seen what Chip Kelly can do for receivers in fantasy with Jordan Matthews the last two years with previous receivers in that offense. Um, I think Torrey Smith and maybe even to a little bit of an extent, um, I'm blanking out on the guy's name. Bruce Ellington. Bruce Ellington uh, might be a little bit undervalued right now. So tell me a little bit about those two guys, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, Torrey Smith, he's kind of like the, you know, that we talked about John Brown a little bit earlier. I mean, the guy averaged 20 yards per catch last, uh, last season, which is ridiculous. Right. Well, I mean, in the Chip Kelly offense, I don't know. Um, Is it? Well, if they're going to be, if they're going to be running a lot more plays, they're probably going to be shorter plays. So he's not yeah, going to be getting yeah. at, he's not going to be getting as far downfield as he normally would, or if he does, right. they're going to be pulling him after a few plays. They're going to need to put some fresh legs in there. Yeah, I mean, I think you can get better value off of Bruce Ellington, who's being drafted, on pretty much last pick of the draft, <laughs> his ADP, um, you know, around the fourteenth round or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think you can get really good value for him because I think he can only go up, especially like you know we keep mentioning Chip Kelly offense. Um, you know, his value is going to go up. So that's that's probably a bargain there. Uh, getting Torrey Smith in the 12th, 13th round, uh, eh, I, I'd, I'd probably stay away from him. Yeah, the, and, the, and the 20, up 20 yards per catch is ridiculous. And like Richard said, it's it's unsustainable. But he's still been a high yards per catch guy in his career. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's going to stretch the field. He's averaging 17 yards a catch in his career. Um, 16.8, 17.4, 17.4, 15.7, prior to coming into that ridiculous 20 yards a catch last year. If he can just get a little bit closer to his career average numbers as far as catches, which in this offense, being the number one guy in a team that's going to run, that's going to throw the ball a lot, um, I, I think I think the fantasy community as a whole has to look at Torrey Smith and move him up because even though the team is bad, being on a bad team is not necessarily a nail in the coffin when it comes to a number one wide receiver. It might be for a running back, but in fantasy, being on a being a number one wide receiver is being a number one wide receiver, and it's it has a lot of value. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Torrey Smith though. If you look at his stats in the second half of the year, which was when Blaine Gabbert was playing, um, he he didn't have. The big yardage games that he had before, like, well, he didn't have many of those to begin with, period. But, um, you know, from week nine to, to in games nine through 16, he had one game with 16 yards only, one game with 17 yards only, one game with 33 yards only. So he was giving you those dud games. Um, he had yeah. two touchdowns in the second half of the year, but he he really only had more than two receptions twice, uh, once in the second half last year. 
look, I mean, we, we can all agree that this 49ers offense is going to be better all around, right? I mean, we're yeah, talking about absolutely. the QB play, the running back, Carlos Hyde, is going to be back healthy, and the wide receivers. They should all have better value than they did last year, right? Yeah, it, yeah but they're still going to be one of the worst teams in football. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean... All that I being didn't... said, uh, do you want to talk about the sneaky guy on the other side of the field, Bruce Ellington? Because for me right now, he's listed as his number two wide receiver on the depth chart. And if we have Smith being the guy that's the deep threat guy on the other side of the field, the guy that might be a huge benefit, especially if he works in some of that slot role, um, yeah. is Bruce Ellington. I mean, if he can get a ton of targets, he's he's not necessarily an extreme talent, but... Maybe He's definitely going to do better than fantasy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's finish off the 49ers then. Uh, Carlos Hyde, of course, he's going to be the starting running back. He, you know, he only played in seven games last year. He had close to 500 yards and three touchdowns. Right now, he's being ranked as the 14th running back overall. He's being drafted as the number 16th running back off the board. What do you guys think of Carlos Hyde? Does he scare the crap were, out of you? He does. He does. I know you yeah, were high on I, him last year. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, yeah, Christian was so high on him last year after week one. <laughs> and um, I traded him away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He was never um, high on him to begin with. I was high uh, right on hot news. <laughs> that joke is never going to be funny on this podcast, Christian. No, I, I like it, but I, I just don't want to laugh. Yeah. Come on, man. Uh, There's going to be that one guy that's in the audience who's like, ah. I said that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, we're playing to one guy in the audience. That's great. That's fine. We slowly <laughs> are narrowing down our jokes until only like two or three guys find it funny. And then yeah. just one guy. There's you one guy he, right now who's fucking bawling huge. in laughter. Key and P yeah, are yeah. huge fantasy football players. Maybe we can have a show. <laughs> yeah. um, well, right now our consensus for Hyde is 14th. Uh, 14th. Uh, 14th best running back right between Latavius Murray and C.J. Anderson. I think that's about right. I think I would take Latavius Murray right before Hyde and C.J. Anderson right after. Uh, I'd rather have both those guys. Would you? Carlos Hyde, yep. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty close. I have I have, ranked I have him ranked exactly yeah. like that. 13, 14, and then Carlos Hyde, 15. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I take Hyde over C.J. Anderson. Of all the guys in my top 15... Uh, well, of course, I'm the most worried about him because I have him 15. Um, of all the guys that I have ranked maybe in the top 24, he's the guy for me that I'm the most worried about because he's on a bad offense. He wasn't healthy last year, and we've only seen such a small sample size of him being good. On the other hand, his his range of outcomes are so wide because he could just be fantastic in a Chip Kelly offense. We saw that first game of the season, what he looks like fully healthy and and able to do amazing things. So I, I think with the upside and the floor factored in, he's going at a fair spot. Yeah, I would just like to see Carlos Hyde get more than 4.1 yards per carry. Yeah, he will. He was he's pretty so bad explosive. with that foot injury. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're saying he's he's healthy, right? He's healthy now. Yeah. yeah. So, well, he's yeah. still his status is still technically probable. All right, so assuming health. Assuming health, would you rather have Carlos Hyde or Thomas Rawls? Thomas Rawls. Assuming yes. health, Thomas Rawls. <clears throat> For me, uh, if Thomas Rawls shows me that he's healthy, this is one of the guys that I'm going to move him over. Yeah. Yeah, it's close for me. I'd go, I'd go Rawls, but it's close. Okay. All right, fair enough. Yeah. I think that's all for uh, 
the NFC West, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, you guys have anything else you want to you want to add in? You know, maybe a little more. Who wins the division? Control. Who wins the division? Cardinals. It's easy, right? Yeah, I'll take yeah, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah, best. I think it's going to be the exact same. Well, no, yeah, the exact same as it was last year. Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams, 49ers. So over under forty nine. Over under San Francisco winning seven games. Under under yeah. Really yeah. What what we Chip, need to Chip Kelly will only get him one extra win from last year. Yeah. It's a hard division, okay. man. They got they got four games against the top two. You know, two of the top teams in the NFC. Well, that yeah. sucks for the Forty ers <laughs> Man, I've never seen a team fall so fast as the Forty ers did. From three straight NFC Championships games, a trip to the Super Bowl, and then total irrelevance again. I'm sorry, San Francisco. What about the Eagles <laughs> um, with Donovan McNabb? They went to like a whole bunch of NFC Championships, and they, did they fall off like that, or it was it was more drastic? It was more, you know, overtime. I feel like I it remember. took a little longer. Yeah, yeah. To me, it seemed like longer, but I don't know. I don't have the data in front of me. They yeah. were a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl. In back, not only back to back, but three straight years. Yeah, yeah, and they just blew it three freaking straight times. Yep. Well, that's what happens when you lose Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I want to. I, I want to hang up on you. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut that. Yeah, hey, you you get that. Hold on, let me play it. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in to add that as a drop. One, no, yeah, two, I love 45. it. Uh, yeah, it's gonna go in rotation because um, we right. tell a lot of really stupid jokes. Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna flat. get that sound so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then that pretty much wraps it up. Then for the divisional preview, we've got one more division to go. It's gonna be the NFC South. We'll probably go ahead and do that in our next podcast. Um, stay tuned, though. We're not done yet. We're gonna go ahead and give Armando a call. See where he's at on his road trip. Kind of do a little, uh, where in the world is Armando Crespo right now? Damn it, Richard. That's my drop. All right, Armando. Welcome back to your own show. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Just driving through Iowa, the cornfield of America. Is that what they call it? I don't know. know. So so you started in New York, and you're driving all the way to San Francisco, right, to see your girlfriend? Technically, I started in Miami. I've been driving for a few – I started in Miami, so, uh, yeah. I've been driving for a few days now. Okay. So what have you seen anything cool yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That was for? great. <laughs> I don't I just, care. I just wanted to hang up on him. Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that was where in the world is Armando Crespo? Now I said that. I said that. <laughs> Thanks for joining us again, guys, and uh have a good night. Yep. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, Thank you, Brito. Y'all have a great night. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Thank you.